This is the Casual Temple Podcast, and you are listening to episode number 11, and I am your host, Marilee Duffy. The Casual Temple is a place to discuss the many ways we are connected to the unseen world of spirit and how that empowers us to know our true selves. If you enjoy our mystical conversations, don't forget to share some love. Like, follow, and review on your preferred podcast platform. This week on The Casual Temple, we embark on a journey through all levels of existence with our extraordinary guest, Ishtar Howell. Prepare to be captivated as we delve into the mystical realms with stories of his spiritual teacher, Austin, a walk-in soul with a penchant for finding teenager dental retainers. We also hear about metaphysical classrooms in floating cities and etheric jaguar spirit protectors. Welcome to The Casual Temple. This week, my guest is Ishtar Howell, who's a spiritual seeker, intuitive astrologer, meditation teacher, world traveler, and writer. After having a childhood that was highly connected to the world of spirit with Samadhi experiences about the nature of reality, at the age of 13, Ishtar was involved in a car accident that claimed the life of his beloved mother. He experienced what he later learned was a near-death experience, or NDE. That traumatic experience put him on a mystical path to becoming a teenage monk in his own home. Ishtar, thank you for joining me today to discuss your amazing life journey. Merrily, thanks for having me on. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. Fun to be here. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, yeah, I'm glad. Um, yeah, we had a little bit of a pre-chat. Um, I'm kind of a big fan of uh, your interviews because you're just like a really great storyteller. And we had an astrology session together and it was amazing. And um, I've listened to that session at least two more times uh, since then, because there's just a lot of unfolding that happens when you uh, look at your astrology chart and get uh, an intuitive insight from someone on it. So I really happy that you're here uh let's see so we're just gonna kick it off by kind of going uh having you talk about your earliest spiritual or paranormal experience and then kind of go from there great question prompt (laughs) i I like this this show's format i'm already having more fun than than usual uh okay first experience that um i'll go with the paranormal um the first paranormal experience i remember uh occurred before uh, occurred before I, I could walk and, and before the first time that I escaped out of my crib. So those, those were two very big uh, watermark moments for me. Uh, so I was in crib, those were the crib days. And I would wake up very early before the sun came up. That was my my pattern. I'd, I would just kind of meditate without knowing I was meditating. I'd look at my curtains and I'd wait, 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 wait. And then eventually the sun would come up and my mom would come in the room. So one night in my sort of um, early morning, late night revelry, I was sitting there and a woman walked into my room. And this was not an unusual thing because sometimes my maternal grandmother would stay over and my room was being in the crib. There was a bed over there. My room was kind of the guest room. So the guests got to have a baby stare at them, uh, at night. And sometimes my aunt would sleep over there. So nothing, nothing different in my life. I said, okay, new guest. Uh, you know, com- coming in the room and I you know, was look- looking at her and she had um, uh, puffy, curly hair that was white curly hair that was very similar to my maternal grandmother's hair, but she's much shorter than my maternal grandmother. And she had on this um, blue nightgown, like a pale blue nightgown with, with white lace. Um, and she walked by and I didn't feel any fear. She was glowing, which was unusual. Uh, she she did, she had a clip to her and I noted that I was like well I like that this is this is a new thing and and she's kind of walking by didn't look at me but I felt her awareness touch mine which was an interesting sensation mm-hmm. for a kid uh, and was stronger than when the adults in would do it 
I, I felt I felt myself being touched with a wave. And then that wave was was also a, a decided sense that this being greatly approved of me. And, and so I felt very safe with this being. I felt this kind of, you know, like just a warm embrace from this yeah. being, even though they didn't turn their head to look at me, they, which is weird. They, they you know, kind of kept going that way. And I watched them and they, then they, they uh, walked out the back room of my, my bedroom. And I'd never seen anybody walk through a wall before at that point. And, and so <laughs> I just noted that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't frightening. I didn't have the word ghost. I didn't have words probably. I, it was a t- pre-linguistic. Uh, we were thinking in pictures or, or, or something else. And and then it was must have been two, three years later. I was down in the, the living room on the couch. My mother and I were looking through an old photo album. She turned the page. There was the woman in a picture in the same nightgown. Um, blue with the same patterning and white collar with the same sort of lacing, same hair same profile all i saw was the sides i kind of worked it out and it turned out that was my great grandmother um mm. my maternal great grandmother who had died about 18 months before i was born and my mother introduced her by saying this is your great grandmother laura she she really you two really would have gotten along you know uh, and you know that was that was the first paranormal experience and probably the most pleasant of, of the ones that, been, that sort of followed in childhood. Yeah. Um, I have sort of a strange question. Um, yeah. What was the color? <clears throat> so you said your grandmother had a glow around her. Was there a color yeah. associated to that? And what, what uh, blue silver. Blue silver. There, there was. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, the reason yeah. I'm asking is uh, I tend to see just kind of interjecting my, uh, I tend to see when I, I do readings for people that there's little like dots that come in like little Mm. pinpoints of light and they have specific colors. Um, And I've noticed with like maybe folks that have passed away or passed over crossed over, they tend to either be gold or like this bluey silver color. So Mm. it's just like just storing Mm. that data. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That was very clear. Uh, I mean, blue silver is the most accurate. I mean, is there something between silver and pearl? Not really, but it kind of sort of there is a bit wiggle, right. wiggle room there. I'm not I'm not great. I don't have a fine grained color uh, recognition like an artist or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh well, thank you for sharing that first experience. I know um, we had chatted a little bit beforehand uh, that you had kind of multiple experiences yeah. uh, as a child. Were there any others that you wanted to share and kind of talk about? Yeah, actually, actually, th- and this came later, but it was one of the more Poignant ones. I'm just going to skip ahead to uh, the teen years, uh, and it's connected to earlier stuff. So once, when I was a little kid, uh, God, I must have been. I had just watched. I, it was not long after I watched Labyrinth as 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 a film, and that, mm-hmm. so we're talking eighty seven, eighty eight, or something like that, uh, eighty nine. I was about five six, so now people know how old I am. <laughs> uh, and uh, I was, I woke up one night with with a start, and I was, I was in a sort of a sleep paralysis, uh, but but sitting upright after just sitting upright, and I was like, why am I still? And then I realized my body was afraid, and it was was feeling fear. And it's like, why? What's going on? Hmm. And I saw creeping up by my chest of drawers, uh, it was like a mini Dementor. Uh, from the Harry Potter films. I mean, it was, 
it, its presence was just ice in my veins. And, and I did not have good intentions. But then as, as that danger came, there was this voice out of my heart. And I'll kind of out, out of the back of my mind, which took me out of paralysis and told me what to do. And it said, just open to total love. And and somehow it's the in the narration was somehow the instructions on how to do that, you know, or or the 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 deep knowing that I could do that. So I did that, and and then the thing it kind of had a face at the, by that point that it got uh, close, and then it 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 had a face of fear then, hmm. and when because I, I was open and love like I felt like there was a beam coming through my my body going to that thing, and I was just, I wanted to hug it. You know, I, I was, you know, I love you, you know, and, 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 and it ran the fuck out of there, out of my, out of my room wow. uh, and never to be seen again. Uh, fast forward from that. Uh, and I also threw in the line from the labyrinth. You have no power over me. That's mm. why, I, that's why I included that in the, in the prelude mm. to that story, because I <laughs> had to throw that in there uh, yeah. in, in the, at the time. Uh, and then not long after that, uh, another being, another dark being, uh, came into the room, and I knew how to deal with them. Now it's like mm-hmm. I did it once. But there somehow there was an automatic response. Only it came in peace, and and it said I was told I was told about you, and, and it basically said I, I was I was told that that um, you could help me, and I said what do you have in mind? And it's, it had a very foul presence to it, but I was kind of and my body w- wanted to respond in fear, but I knew there was mm-hmm. something genuine going on and and then i basically started ta- saying a bunch of words to it telepathically and I, and I said well you can um you can you can if you watch the door because i need someone to make sure that only one spirit comes in at a time and i need you to make sure that they're also ones that are really serious about moving on because that was what would happen as a child i had a little rocking chair that i would go sit in i would dress as sherlock holmes because Sherlock Holmes, like the Ghostbusters in our pre-chat, Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. was a being, it was a character that if I dressed as Sherlock Holmes, I felt safe. And and I, I embraced that archetype. And so I would sit in my chair, I would have the being sit across from me, uh, you know, and I would close my eyes and I would go into this big, vast nothingness and everything, this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would go there and I would somehow fold it in front of me and 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 move it into the room and and then I would kind of palpably feel them you know, move out. Hmm. And when I would open my eyes, the room would be, would feel completely clean. And so this is what I did as a consulting detective with my little deer stalker hat on and my pipe to give me the props to make me, uh, you know, feel, feel right about it. Yeah. And, and that, that worked when it was just one at a time and they had good intentions since, and, and I didn't like it when that wasn't the case. Because I wasn't going to be some psychoanalyst for a being that's trying to scare me. You know, that's not what I had in mind for being a five-year-old. So I had this guy. I assumed a guy. Later I found out, yes, it was sort of a male where they presented that way. Mm. Uh, said, you stand by the door all the time. And you just, you know, be my bouncer, basically. I didn't have that term yet. Right. And and that's the rest for the next until age 17. Uh, they stood there and actually I would feel them, but I'd walk by and it wasn't unnerving to me, but every now I'd get out of the side and be like, oh yeah, you're still there. Good job. Good job. Nice. He's like right by my door. Huh. And uh, so then I had this series of dreams when I was 17, when I was 17 and I, I'm sorry, I'm fast forwarding going all over the map here. 
Um, I had committed to meditating six hours a day. I'd gotten rid of a bunch of my possessions in my room and I turned my room essentially into an ashram. And, and, the, and the place, there was something when I made that decision, the logic of my life in so many ways just rearranged. Um, at, at the time, I'd also had two other beings that I had told to just stand in certain places and, and keep watch. So I had like three in, the, three wow. in there. I think it made me feel safe to bark orders at them uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, at, it was three mornings in a row which was strange where I woke up with sleep paralysis in the morning and in daylight. The first morning I woke up and there was um, a stern looking Edwardian lady with a high collar. I, whenever I saw her, I didn't really like seeing her, but I was like, ah, she's straight up. She's okay. You know, she's, she's just stern, you know, you know, she's just stern, but she's honest. So she can be by my closet door. You know, she's cool. And um, she walked over and I couldn't move my body because I was paralyzed and she stood behind me and I was like I was trying to move my head to to actually kind of say you know you can't intimidate me and then I fell fell asleep because it was just so much effort just trying to do that yeah and so that happened and I was like all right okay then the next morning the same damn thing happened at the same time and it it was a a, a, um it was a he I think he was Mexican and he had a garish sweater in the colors that they were popular in the 50s or the 70s, hmm. you know, kind of like a, the oranges and browns and greens of, of that time. And he did the same walk, except this time, having the previous morning dealt with Edwardian Stern Lady, I felt I was prepped. I was able to get my whole body around and like, look at him, you know, <laughs> eye to eye, like, like, like that. Only this time, there was so much love in his eyes. He, she wasn't communicative, but he was communicative. Mm-hmm. And and he, he had a he had a tear come out of his eyes and, and I could feel this this just love. He sent it to my heart and he basically on behalf of him and the stern lady said, you know, buy from both of us, you don't need us anymore. Aww. And and yeah, that was that was a sweet um yeah. good goodbye. And then it happened third morning in a row. Only it was the, it was the dude by the door that that I that I mentioned before. Oh, and 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 this time I wasn't pa- paralyzed at all. I woke up and in bed. And there he was. And he, instead of being a big black mass, which is how he presented initially, mm. half of his face was human. Half of his body was human. Half was black. He also had a tear in his human-faced eye. Mm. And and he said, I, I because of the service work I've done um here, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a human incarnation. Whoa. And 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 he said and, and he said thank you. And and he said, you won't, you won't, you know, he was kind of reiterating what the other guy said, but just mm-hmm. said more like, you won't need protection from us ever again, because you, you've, you know, you're now protected by a much higher order, yeah. you know, because you made the, the choice to seek enlightenment with, with all your heart, you're, you're in a totally different um, space now. Yeah. And, and he went. So, so that yeah. was a more supernatural. long Gosh, I wish uh, kids would could be taught when they're they're little to have like bring in their guardian guards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. It was totally reflexive. It was yeah. totally. Sometimes when I would have conversations with them or the other beings, the vocabulary would come through my mind that I had not honestly learned yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my prose, my, my my speaking to them was 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 fairly sophisticated. So I would learn things in the process. I'd say, what did I just, what, what was that? 
you, you know yeah how am i putting of, that what yeah <laughs> yeah oh man yeah. um yeah that's fascinating wow thank you for sharing that um yeah basically i just want children to have uh some tools so they can deal with the boogeyman in the closet kind of situation that would be great right right um well wonderful um can you talk about sort of what were the events that led you to discovering uh, Ishaya's Ascension Meditation and kind of how that's like a huge part of your life now? Yeah, ma- massive. Yes, I mm-hmm. um, I was I was a seeker, you know, proper seeker starting in, in really at 14 um, before I was interested in a lot of these things and watched the hell out of the search of reruns. And and loved my time life books on Buddhism, Buddhism and Tumo mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And just a wide range, but it was way on sort of the eclectic um, eclectic interest back burner right. of life. I, I, I before the uh, before the NDE, I wanted to be uh, a lawyer or a politician. I thought that was going after no 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 more. That desire was there. Hmm. So I, I started spiritual seeking at at fourteen. Uh, after by chance uh, being brought into a metaphysical bookstore, um, a lot of the good things of my childhood, my my sister initiated intentionally or unintentionally. This was one of those things that I was taken along. Mm-hmm. I went in, discovered, opened up a book, and it was talking about samadhi and spiritual experiences. So, uh, I started that, and then I then I was just trying everything but the and, and the kitchen sink for a while, and and it came to a point when I was seventeen, I was. I decided, you know, as as a good Scorpio that I was, uh, I need to do this two thousand percent, or or not, mm-hmm. and and uh, so I decided, all right, what's two thousand percent? Well, it looks like uh, six hours a day of meditation and cold showers in the morning, and do a bunch of fasting and stuff like that. And I and I used meditations that I either learned in books or that people taught me when they came through town to teach workshops and. Uh, the, the discipline practice, which was most of what it was, was a little bit insane. And I, I, I kind of got, I did have experiences with it, but I almost think it wasn't because of, but despite of, uh, what I was putting myself through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, and, and so uh, I'll make the story short. Uh, I decided that, that a lot of my spiritual mentors who had been in strangely in my small town had mo- all moved out at the same hmm. time in about uh, the year 2001. And I, for a while I was complaining, I can't go hang out at my friend Austin's house anymore. Like, God damn, you know, that's yeah. it. Let's be proactive. I'm going to start a metaphysical society. And and then I will create the hub and people, I will draw people to it. Well, not wow. have people to talk to. Yeah. So my sister again was like up for that. And uh, we, we created it together and went and put flyers around town. When the first person we thought we should talk to, was was a fellow I'd previously been introduced to at the grocery store, uh, just a little bit older uh, than me. And at, at the time he was Josiah, uh, mm-hmm. now they're named Darshan. And and so they, they, he was the first one we invited. He accepted to come, uh, had a great first meeting with a bunch of people there. And then we meditated afterwards. Uh, as as soon as I sat down to meditation with him, you know, I didn't know what he was doing, but I knew he was doing something that was working because I could feel it, mm-hmm. you know, I could, I could feel something there. And then he and my sister, uh, you know, basically fell in love and, and eventually he'd be my first brother-in-law. So they were just talking the rest of the time too. So he was in our orbit at that oh. time. I, I don't know if it was him or, or somebody else who funneled to me autobiography of a yogi. 
Mm, But it it came like it does for so many people uh, in the world. It came at the right time. It hit me like the best ton of bricks ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was so wonderful. I I, I read that book and just opening the book and reading it uh, before school would start was was opening my heart. And strangely, I would feel also flows of energy coming down to the top of my head into my body and coming up from uh, my feet up through Mm -hmm. my spine and both ways at once, just reading this book. And so I was thinking, I guess maybe I'm going to head to the Kriya Yoga folks. And, (laughs) and I, I I was, you know, did a little bit of research on them. The, I mean, no, no, this is no, 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 no bad reflection on them, but I looked at SRF. I looked at Ananda with these other places and I thought, ah, they don't have my right music. Um, my, my grandmother liked the Ananda brochure, but the first time I, I picked that brochure up, mm-hmm. even though it was a really nice one, the word sex scandal went through my head uh, oh. when I looked at the picture. Then it turns out that's exactly what was happening. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that Swami Kriya, old Swami Kriya Ananda was having people give him hand jobs. Uh, uh, and anyhow, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's I, good, you know, mm-hmm. so we didn't go there, but then I got to this one part of the book where Yogananda says, anybody who prays to Babaji, mm-hmm. uh, there, he will listen yeah. no matter who you are. So I said, okay, that seems terribly improbable and unrealistic, but we're going to take you up on this Yogananda. Mm-hmm. So I did. And I, I, I got, it was the second night, the second or third night. We'll go with three nights conservatively. The third night of doing this, when I reached my my deepest point in meditation at night, um, a, a ball of energy was like a felt like an actual ball was stuffed into the top of my head in a very comfortable, pleasurable way. With that ball came a voice which said, "Pay attention to this frequency," and there was kind of a pitch, mm-hmm. a very pleasant pitch that was going on. And, and, you know, I didn't know who was talking to Babaji or my imagination or an astral imposter, but I said like, well, this is interesting. Let's ride with this and see what yeah. happens. You know, I don't think I'm going to get possessed here. So let, let's, let's see what's going on. And, um, and, and so I said, okay, great. Because my question was, please guide me to my path because mm. I don't think I, I know I haven't found my home path yet. I'm searching for it. And I was, you know, I, I arranged to graduate school early, uh, as well graduate a half year early because I just I wanted to run away to a monastery mm-hmm. that was the truest thing in my heart I didn't have a problem with school I was good at it but I, I felt I looked around saying like this is just all bullshit what are we doing here what at least what am I doing here because I know better now yeah and if I know better I should act on it as quickly as possible and 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 so uh, I think it was two days later I was coming home from um, picking up trash from the streets of my town. It's kind of like my self-invented service work. Wow. And I got to my block and I, and that pitch started. And and then I kept, I was walking home, you know, I don't know, like a hundred feet from the end of the block to my house, 150. And it, it just kept getting bigger. Then I saw uh, then Josiah and my sister on the st- steps of our house. And, and he said something like, uh, Hey, I had extra money show up in my bank account do you want to come to this, you know, for my tuition meditation class tuition, do you want to come to Minneapolis this weekend to this meditation class? And I didn't, there was no thought. It was just a huge yes, just shot through, shot through my body, out through my mouth, which was strange mm-hmm. in those days. Cause I, 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 I was like a doctor, no type character. I would say no to everything in order to protect my six hours, because I felt that like, if I did four hours, I'm really shirking my duty, mm-hmm. you know, here. Yeah. It's really hard on myself. I mean, terribly. Wow. 
Uh, and, and so, yeah, I said, yes. And that was, that was what got me there. And, and I don't share this with people who learn from me because I don't want them to compare their experience at all. But right. for me, within 45 to 60 seconds of doing the first meditation technique in that class, I was in the deepest uh, samadhi uh, experience that I had, I had experienced thus far in my life. Wow. And, and I had this sense, there was always in my childhood, this music in the background. I, I call it music. It's not really music, but there was a music in, in the background and I was chasing it. And when I was, a, you know, became a spiritual secret 14, I suppose I was really chasing it. I would find it in different traditions here and there. Like a, for me, it was very strong out of the Theosophical Society of the 1880s. Right. When, when Blavatsky was alive still. Yeah. Uh, and it was like really strong. I was like, oh God, those are my people, but I'm separated by about 120 years in time here. You, you, you know, like, and then I look at the modern Theosophical Society and again, I was like, ah, it's dead. You know, I mean, interesting, but like as a vital, vital transformative mm-hmm. thing that's going to get you enlightened. I was like, nah, not waste, <laughs> waste of my time. It's not there anymore. Uh, that was my quick d- decision. Hmm. Um, and, and so I was searching for that music when I, when I, yeah, I found that music and it's in, in the greatest uh, concentration that I'd experienced yet or since in that uh, meditation practice. Wow. And and so I stayed with it and I thought, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be skeptical here still keep your feet on the ground. It could be a workshop high, mm-hmm. uh, but I was having, I was having buttons uh, that people could previously push, not be there anymore, just hmm. within a day. Wow. And, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So we're going to, we're going to go with this and, and see what happens. Um, f- funny thing to add to that, which is germane, mm-hmm. is that a few years before it was, must've been 1999. And I was visiting my sister at her East coast college um, in Northampton, Massachusetts. And I was having a great time with her and she's shown me just wonderful. It was wonderful. And it was near the end of our trip. And we were walking around the street. At the time, I thought I was going to be an actor or a musician because I, I didn't think I could be a yogi or a mystic because I was a white kid from Wisconsin or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, I wasn't committed. Uh, but I didn't want to be a politician or a lawyer anymore. So I was trying to find something in the middle. Right. And I thought, okay, you've got to be kind of a creative artist. That's sort of, you know, maybe that's what you can do. And, and so that's what I thought I was going to be. So we saw this sign, a Gypsy Palm Reader. Uh, five dollar readings and it was an old victorian house up on a hill and it was like price was right for us you know so we went up and i thought oh, we're just gonna have a good old fun time there's not no real probably not a real palm reader who's good at that we came in, and sure enough she was dressed as what an american would think a gypsy looks like but you know, living in europe it looks nothing like an actual roma right. person uh <laughs> it was uh a russian or ukrainian lady kind of hamming it up and then her son was wearing a like an adidas tracksuit with a little white beater and, and a gold chain i remember him saying like pay first then read and uh it's like okay we paid you know we're good we're not we're not gonna try to cheat you here yeah. um so i went up to her and i was gonna make sure she couldn't cold read me or anything mm-hmm. so i was thinking i will not tell her what i want to do with my life i will look like i want to be an accountant you know or something like that something you know from I don't know that that might have been the face and and I gave her my palm and the first thing she told me was you're absolutely not going to be you know actor or musician and and I I thought she just assumed every young man wants to be an actor musician so I still didn't Mm -hmm. want to let her cold read me right 
here but then she said it again and i was like oh fuck this i'm just gonna argue with her you know and it's like no you know what you know we're, we're gonna you know, we'll make it happen you'll see i've got good willpower i think i have enough talent mm-hmm. uh it's it's realistic you know i've got a good school for it and then she said no 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 absolutely no possibility and and i didn't even ask her how she derived this information like was my mount of jupiter telling you this i, I didn't get into that <laughs> um and then i asked her what what do you think i'm going to do with my life hmm. And she kind of, years later, like the character Sybil Trelawney in the Harry Potter films reminded me of this lady because uh, Sybil Trelawney is uh, Emma Thompson's character and she's like a bad psychic, but every right. now and then she she's a great she psychic. She got one, yeah. And, she, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I thought this lady's whole countenance changed. I didn't think she was acting. I thought, is she, is she having a medical emergency here? You know, I was kind of worried when she's holding my palm right in front of me. And, and she said, actually, you're going to... You're going to travel the world teaching the true mystical teachings of the Christ. And and I was then I looked over and I saw like a cruci- like a orthodox mm. kind of crucifix on the wall. And I was like, ah, she's trying to convert me. Yeah, she's biased. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? And like I, I don't have a religious bone in my even though she said mystical, mm. she looked confused at the words coming out of her mouth. Uh, I still thought she was trying to convert me. So I said, we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. She really butchered my sisters. I mean, that did not. She said, my sister's going to have all these kids and, you know, like tons. You know, it's like, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just had a good time, you know. And then five years later, I'm on a plane and I'm reading the back of the book that was attached to my Ashaya's Ascension Meditation Practice. And I've read this back many times. And one of the bylines was... Now in time for this or that millennium, the true mystical teachings of the Christ. And and I just had a laugh on the, on the airplane because I was like, oh, my God, because I'd forgotten the palm reading. That lady got it. Wow. And and then I, then I tried to write there and then and I laughed and everybody in the seats like, looked at me. <laughs> uh, it was just fine. And, and then I, I tried to send a telepathic message to this place like whatever plane of existence you're on right now, um, you got me. I was that kid in 1999. Uh, who you who you told this and that to so uh that that was sort of like a, a foreshadowing that i did not see yeah. i did not see and i did not register at the time because um yeah wow Whew. yeah uh that is a, an amazing sort of premonition story with a psychic that was sometimes right that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah she, bat five, she, she, her batting average was 500 that day. 500. So, okay. Good. You know, she did that day. She was one for two. At That's least. that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know we kind of talked, uh, just backing up a little bit, uh, to you, Yogananda. Mm. I know in our, uh, conversation, uh, during my astrology reading, you said something that I, it kind of like opened up a lot for me about Yogananda and the divine feminine. Mm. Um, and how he was sort of a person, not sort of, he was a personification of that is kind of how I remember it. But I don't know if mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. kind of talk a little bit about that. Oh, I'm uh, always happy to wade into potentially controversial waters uh, with all the folks downstream of Yogananda. I mean, the, the, the dude thought he was the reincarnation of William the Conqueror. That, that's oh, that's a, right. That's yes. A, does it let out there? But um other mystics and Yogananda at different times, uh, you know, had, had alluded to like, well, I'm I'm doing the work of the Divine Mother here, uh, and and I personally, I always just felt that he was he was the personification of of uh, a male personification in some ways of 
of, of Mother Shakti. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was much, he was, a, if he was anything with the divine pantheon, he was a mama's boy, at least that, at the very least, he was a mama's boy yeah. in, in terms of, uh, I think, teaching style and, and um, the fact that he had this big nest up at Mount Washington, where he's taking care of all these, all these people mm. um, all the time. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think yeah, one I, of... I, I did not see a stern patriarch. No, I, mean, I know he could get stern with people. He, right, he had that range, but he was not a. Yeah, he he was a softy. Yeah, um, yeah, because definitely in uh, autobiography of the yogi, one of the standout pieces for me, at least, he talked a lot about visiting the Kali Temple quite a bit, mm. like um, a specific temple in his hometown. I think I think it was his hometown. Um, and then he had like another mystical experience with the divine feminine of seeing his mother and then all the mothers <laughs> and then like, yeah, it was pretty yeah. amazing. So yeah, until you said that, I, I didn't connect that for some weird reason that it was like, oh, that Kali temple experience, plus he's kind of the incarnation or, you know, <laughs> of the divine feminine is pretty amazing. So um, yeah, he was always praying to the divine mother in that in that book. I mean, if yeah. we're just going on what's in that text, yeah. you know, minus the rest of the context of his life, which is much larger. Yeah, that that's absolutely where where the the feel of it for sure. <sighs> wow, for sure. I, I believe that would that was. I don't know if that because I haven't read it in a, in a while, but mm. I'm guessing it was when he was living in Calcutta, and and he may have been going to Ramakrishna's uh, Ramakrishna's temple and school down, oh. down by the water. That's but right. you know, I'm not sure. Probably yeah. one of our listeners is, is <laughs> going to put in the comments section. Actually, correct everything. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> please do. Yeah, off my rocker here. Right. Oh yeah, and then I know um, to kind of uh, um, in your so you had the experience with the fortune teller, and then you're on a plane, and you're like, mm. "Wow, it's a, a shy as <laughs> meditation for me." Um, yeah, and I know in some of the other interviews, um, you talked about your sort of your monastic life as a teenager, and you mentioned uh, mm-hmm. about the six six hours of meditation or four hours of meditation yeah. a day. No, six. It was it was six as a as a as a high schooler. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then your three a.m. cold showers is a is another point that. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, and and yeah in wisconsin in the winter i think it feels even colder oh. when it comes out of the ta- and and i was again i was really kind of beating the crap out of myself which i don't recommend but you know right. i wasn't i wasn't doing this thing where you're like let's start out medium and then just kind of work our way down because i couldn't do it like i i just didn't have the nerve to work myself so what i would do is it would just be like rip the bandaid off all the way to cold pull it out <laughs> you know move the plastic curtain yeah you're going in right <laughs> don't die don't die basically it's like <laughs> and, and I, would, I would be crying i was actually crying yeah. i was crying because I, I was almost like i was literally you know that com- comedy thing like pulling myself mm-hmm. in, into that thing every every morning but i have to say that i did feel like disease could not touch me wow uh, i mean i was 18 too so that 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 was working and i was very fit oh Except yeah. when I fasted too much, when I fasted too much, I started eating the muscle mass too. And that, then I ended up, I was kind of looking like Gandhi. Oh, wow. You know, and, and people were worried about me. I was on suicide watch oh, my no. last year of high school. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea, but my dad told me later, I was like, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense from their perspective because I was actually giving away my favorite possessions to people and saying, oh. I want to give this to you. And, you know, I was down to like a skeleton and I was 
wasn't going to the lunchroom with the other students anymore. I was oh, med- meditating, me- meditating in the newspaper room at lunchtime or, or, and so like, yeah, I see why they thought yeah, I was going to kill myself. Family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You know, yeah, 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 they they really had a, a rough time with that. That strange, strange, quick, for them, it's very strange, abrupt transformation. For oh, me, sure. it was, this thing has been building a foundation for several mm. years mm-hmm. and then it just pops out. Yeah. You know, needs to be realized. So, so, yeah. The, that was, that was actually an entirely enjoyable time. And I'm so glad that, that we did that. And we kind of burned the, um, we scratched deeply the ascetic itch. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was, I think I was ready to have effortless meditation come into my life. Yeah. Uh, which, which is yeah, the, the Ascension practices. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause then, so you're back, you're on the plane and now is this before you join the monastery? That was years after actually. Or the was plane after? story is years oh, after. Yeah. Years after. I was oh. already teaching. I, I put it together oh. because I was traveling the world to teach. Oh, right. Uh, at so a you're class. Like... <laughs> and then it, it was, it was, it was years after I'd been in this thing for forever. And mm-hmm. uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't need much more convincing than my, my great fantastic experiences at my first class. And then ongoing, I just slotted that in as, as a four hour day meditation. Right. And I was being a little bit more, li- more liberal instead of the six, but I just put that in there and mm-hmm. things were, things were moving quickly uh, mm-hmm. in, internally. Wow. So, Yeah. Um, so it, since you were teaching meditation, like, what does that look like? Um, cause I know when you've done workshops and you do classes, um, Mm. so what are, are there, either of those look like for a participant? Those, those are same, 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 same. Yeah. Usually I do the, uh, like a, I mean, I often do a weekend format just because still most people are able to, by average, get off on the weekend to do that sort of stuff, but you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter any day. And so when I do a group class, um, I, I do them in person. I've also adapt, adopted them to be able to do them online, uh, which right. I sometimes get a little bit of flack for. Uh, <laughs> um, either way, it's about the same. It's the same okay. same kind of format. There, there's kind of a, I, I build people up to longer meditation sessions. Not that like that's an important thing, uh, but just I, I like to have people get sufficient time to I think of it almost like learning a, a physical skill or something that's more musical and with this with this practice and so they're, it's kind of a mantra practice so I want them to sort of marinate with those stew with those mantras in their nervous system and and we gradually over two or three days of uh, uh, stew for a little bit a little bit longer and longer periods of time and then break that up with uh, me doing lectures on different topics and uh, answering questions and uh, you know, cool. kind of back and forth, and it always it always seems to end a bit too quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, especially for you because uh, you do have so much knowledge to share, and then for the participants, it's kind of nice to kind of get away from your life for a little bit, <laughs> do something that yeah. feels good for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's a cl- one one thing that's always gratifying is is that. Um, of uh, usually even, even the people I, I teach a lot of people who kind of are self-described i'm i'm unable to meditate people mm-hmm. and, and and so saying nothing will work for me and say well and yet you're here it's like well i forgot to try with you one more time or something like that it's like okay let's let's give it a shot let's yeah. see what happens and of uh, and usually by the end of the class when i start taking people out of meditation it's those people who are saying like 
hey, I could have gone much longer. What's up with that? Take right. you're, you're pulling us out too early and saying, well, that was 40 minutes right there. You know, they're like, no, it seemed like 10. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it's always gratifying to see people, you know, very easily be able to do 40 minutes or an hour and have it be, you know, just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's also been another trend from teaching meditation has been um, see, having insomniacs report sleeping for the first time in years or sleep, yeah. having a restful sleep, a continuous sleep throughout, throughout a whole night. That, mm-hmm. that has been common the last 20 years of teaching, which, wow. which always still blows my mind when, you know, people come up and it used to be funny because I just have people come up and you know, very intensely after the first night of the class that they sometimes grab my shoulders. That's why I'm putting my hands here. They're like, I slept. And, oh. and, then, and then like, yes, it's like, no, no, you don't understand. I, I didn't share this with you. I mean, I'm an insomniac, you know? Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. Gotcha. Get what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I do remember when I was reading sort of the description of the Shia's uh, ascension. It does have that mantra component, um, yeah. and I I have a practice where I um, do Kundalini yoga, and there's sort of like a like there's you know you do the kriyas, you do a layout, you do the chanting or whatever. And I do find that the chant, at least for me, I think it's kind of different for everybody, sort of what they're in or mm-hmm. um, whatever for meditation. But the chanting does kind of like get you in this sort of rhythm of yeah uh, and it kind of helps like cl- not clear the mind necessarily but you're more focused on the chanting so it's not like you're letting all the other things come in right right yeah yeah and and that, that's probably voc- vocalized and, and so like the, this mantra practice is non-vocalized so mm-hmm. it's, it's so it's an internal thing oh, and it's not, not as rhythmic but the, what they share in logic is that you're mm-hmm. using you're using a, a sacred syllable or a sacred right. string of syllables or or a sacred prayer and, and we're using it as a as a vehicle that just naturally brings the mind uh, in into deeper and deeper relaxation uh that that's what any any uh wow. effective mantra or similar technique because it can be done with um hebrew I, yeah. I have a lot of people in my life, you know, just my short sample size, Hebrew, Sanskrit and the Ascension practice, all, all different uh, language bases have all been similarly effective and in, in taking the body into profound relaxation. Wow. And, yeah. Are you doing any sort of, uh, I know we usually say that for them, but we'll probably revisit it, but are you doing any uh, classes or meditation anytime soon or? Yeah, yeah. Depending on when when this when this goes out, (laughs) you know, maybe it'll be the next day. By the time it goes out, I'm doing another uh, online course, uh, November 18th and 19th. Oh, okay. So that that's my next uh, online course. I haven't scheduled any in person courses yet. I I live over in Europe, and I I don't do a lot. I might teach an in person class in Portugal, Mm -hmm. and I might do some more classes in the UK. We tend to get up there. And, and, you know, often teaching uh, sort of the West country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so kind of you know, Somerset, uh, Gloucestershire. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we have a deep love for Cardiff in, in oh. Wales. So there's yeah. sort of a, and, and Liverpool, there's a magnet that goes out West, even though London is its own magnet. And we've taught classes there as well. So yeah. that, that'll, that'll probably come. I, I post them on my website so people can check oh. out if there's anything coming in their area. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely, um, 
yeah, I definitely want to check it out at some point because uh, it sounds very intriguing. It sounds like a lot of different uh, modalities I've done, but it's kind of one, mm. <laughs> one kind of fo- more focused. So I like that. Let's see. So do you have any, um, so kind of with that, we've talked a little bit about uh, some spiritual teachers that you've had or role models, but yeah. were there some additional ones that were impactful on your path that you would like to talk about? God of probably a big three. Mm. Um, first one is is when I was a teenager, young teenager. Uh, they all met me when I was a teenager, actually. <laughs> Very so short funny. window of time. Yeah, uh, when when I was a uh, and and I can't forget Pam really, but um, uh, I spent the most time in those years eventually with a fellow by the name of Austin, who who. Um, was introduced to me by my dear friend and mentor, Pam. She was a, a, a transcendental meditation teacher and, and a fantastic psychic who, who moved to my home, hometown and was giving readings at the metaphysical store and would wow. just take the time to chat with me, which, which looking back, I appreciate immensely. Here's, here's somebody 40s or 50s taking the time to, to really give attention to a 14-year-old when she probably had Aww. other things she could be doing with her with life. So eternally grateful for Pam. Then she introduced me to this fellow named Austin. Austin came and he said that, well, now, now the trees are going to sleep and you know, anybody, any new age person can say some crazy shit like that, but the way he, the way he said it right. and, and the, the look in his eyes and, 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 and I felt his presence from about 30 feet. Whoa. Uh, and, and it was great. I, yeah. I really, I really vibed with it and I got talking to him and it, it turned out that he was something called a walk-in and and uh after meeting him i started walking around my hometown and i noticed all these signs that said walk-ins welcome at hair salons and i thought oh my god i had no idea that hair salons were so metaphysically oriented you know i was was having a blood moment i was like they're everywhere everybody knows about these walk-ins oh my god you know like no no obviously (laughs) it was it was different but uh people may not have heard the term a a walk-in i'll tell austin's story which he told to me which was well actually i lived in a small town and you know in a small town everybody knows everybody's business so when my dad told me you're hanging out with who because because before he died eldo austin i mean and came back was was a notorious town asshole just a just a and, and and so when I met Austin, he said, yeah, the old guy, meaning the other guy who, mm. who he used to be, the, the other guy, he was at the hospital running on the treadmill doing the stress test for your heart. Yeah. See how prone you'd be to a heart attack. And he had a fucking heart attack on the treadmill. That's oh, how prone no. he was to a heart. <laughs> so the machine oh really gosh. pushed him into it. He died. Massive heart attack died. He said, yeah, he was on the table. And then I came in and we tagged out. And, and, and I came into the body. I kind of scared some people when I came back to life uh, again. And he said, yeah, um, his story was actually, that was a, it was a multi-lifetime yarn actually that he, that mm. he told. He said the other guy was a reincarnation of a, of a cavalry officer and who had uh, served in, in, under, in general Crook's army, uh, exterminating the Apaches uh, in the Southwest. And, and he right. said, I was, was one of the people he exterminated. Uh, I was a, uh, 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 like a medicine man or shaman. He had a different word. I don't remember it. He came in and he had a detailed knowledge of a native American ritual of the Southwest. Uh, and he was, he was brought into tr- the tribes down there. He even looked like, uh, he even looked native American. His, his, his face kind of changed. He he lost pretty much most of his friends mm. when he came back in because he, they were kind of assholes like him. 
had to get a divorce because she was kind of an asshole too. Right. You know, and he had like one friend who was able to, you know, kind of stay in the orbit. And, and it was pretty much zero to 60, in other words, in three seconds, right? It's not a gradual thing. And, and he was kind of a, a different guy. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that that can be kind of like the walk-in experience. Uh, and anyways, no matter how he framed it, he went from being town and asshole who had actually had once tried to lean over at my father's bank and and choked another loan officer because he wouldn't be given a dubious loan uh, to him. That's how bad he, he notoriously, you know, he was. And, and he went from that to being this, this amazing, um, amazing psychic mm-hmm. and ritual holder with wow. crazy energy around him. So I would go to his house because I was having all sorts of weird stuff with my head mm-hmm. going on, not, not medical. Like it would go open. I'd, I'd be leaving my body at night. I would get weird headaches. He said, he called them, oh, you're having processing headaches. I said, processing? Yeah, everything, your body is being realigned. I would I would go to his house. Within 100 feet of his house, I would feel a face shift. And in my body, I, mm-hmm. like I walked through a veil. I'd get in. He he could be doing anything. He just let me take naps on his couch wow. for 20 minutes because then I'd feel right as rain. It was like a instant meditation. And then I would leave. And often I'd go in. He'd be under his truck in his garage. I'd say, Austin, I got I had to use the couch. He'd say, all right, freeloader, go ahead. You know, and I'd go in and I, and then I'd come out and I'd say, yeah, thanks, Austin. He said, and he'd, he'd just laugh. You know, wow. Uh, a lot of weird stuff happened around him. Um, I, I mean, I, I tell this on my YouTube channel, but I'll, I'll tell the story here uh, or a couple stories if you don't mind. Oh, yes, please. Uh, uh, I'll start with the less weird one and and, and uh, end with the, the, the weirdest <laughs> one. They're both cool. I, yeah. I used I went to the beach a lot to swim in the summers as a teenager, uh, you know, because I enjoyed it. I have good exercise. I would often put my goggles on and like find every now and then a five dollar bill at the bottom of the thing. Some once a twenty, not tens. Uh, so I like being out there. One one day I went up um, to sit on the end of the pier and I went into kind of a you know untaught meditation, and I had this thing i had to open my eyes i opened my eyes there was an an endlessly tall beam of goldish whitish light that looked like a flame coming out of the end of the lake and it must have been i couldn't estimate the width many boats wide so 80 feet wide wow from where i could see Mm -hmm. and and then it went up all the way to the sky and then i you know you know, wipe my eyes, saying like, "Am I seeing something here?" You know, uh, come back up; it's still there. Uh, and and it's and nobody else is seeing it. Everyone, I'm looking. Is anyone else seeing this? Uh, then I I just left, didn't mention it. Came back the other day, the next day, saw it again. Uh, then I went to see my friend Austin. So I didn't mention it to him, and he and he said, "Oh, you saw the light at the end of the lake." You know, without me saying anything, this would happen all the time. So, like, wow. oh, you saw it. Yeah. Um, you know, and you say, you know, you, and I say, okay, thanks. Thanks for letting me know that I said, yeah, it's, it's, you know. Uh, then I had this um, dream. I had these dreams a lot. I called mm-hmm. them dreams, of course, because they happened at night. Right. Uh, so, and, and what, what would transpire is I would find myself in a, in what I could only describe as floating cities. Um, uh, and and I would take be taking classes and subjects that I had no aptitude and sometimes no interest in my waking life in, or no knowledge that they even existed. 
Mm. Sometimes I would be teaching classes, which was even more bizarre because I was a teenager. It's like, what am I I'm teaching? And there's all these adults and I, there'd be almost a Greek amphitheater things. So anyways, one, one night after having one of these happen, I think I was giving a riveting talk on the botany, the spiritualized botany of the 21st century, which, you know, I didn't follow up. <laughs> I'm becoming wow. a botanist or anything, but uh, I I go over to Austin's house again. I don't mention anything. And he said, I saw your talk last night. You know, it was, it was great. I saw you and I said, what talk where? And he said, yeah, we were, we were both up on the, on the ship. He called them ships. I call them floating cities. We, we were both up on the ship above the lake. Indeed, it, it was actually above, it was connected to that beam of light Whoa. Uh, when, when I had the, uh, the dream and I thought I was just dreaming. And, and so, yeah, a lot of these confirmations um, would, would just kind of come out with, with me. I said, and what I talk about, you something about, something about <laughs> mysticism and plants. That's what he said. Something <laughs> he, about that. <laughs> He said it's a little complicated, you know, so I kind of went over here. I was like, "All right." Um, so, so yeah, this this would happen. He was also had this Edgar Casey ability to find my retainer that I had to have in my uh, mouth, and I would lose it constantly because I yeah. hated the feel of it in my mouth. And it was clear plastic, and so you could just like see through it. Yeah, if you put it down, I was constantly losing it. And and then I but I had to find it because I was like I didn't want to disappoint my dad. And have had caused an expense, yeah, like like that. So I'd be, I'd like, go, oh God, what am I gonna do? You know, uh, I call Austin. You know, it's like a <laughs> desperation. Go to the phone. I was like, Austin, do you know where my? I mean, he's where my retainer might be. <laughs> he would start laughing, and then and then uh, it would get to the point where um, he rang me. He would call me when my retainer was lost and tell me where it was because he knew you lost it. Yeah, because he was told, my guides told me you lost the retainer again. So, yeah, you're right. I was about to call you saying, like, uh, you know, one time I called him, it was very under Casey. Like, he told me he'd never been in my house and I never described my house or the furnishings or the arrangement of the rooms. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, he said, it's under the blue couch in the TV room under the left front leg in, in the, by the Newsweek. And I, and I went and I searched. I thought I did a good job. I said, Austin, for the first time, you're inaccurate. It's not there. You know, I, I got to find this thing. It's like no, no, no. You looked very poorly. It's, it's, it's still. It's in the newspaper by the Newsweek. You did. You have to open up the pages, and it's. And there it was. And it was just like every time he was a hundred percent fine. And the funny thing is, I was a teenager, and I never thought to you to ask him anything beyond more that. Significant than my retainer. <laughs> you, you know, it's like it never crossed my mind. It was always like a desperation thing. I didn't want to instrumentalize him. That was part of it, and I was oh. willing to instrumentalize him. Because yeah. it was like a desperate thing, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so then there was a time I was at his house. I, I see the time, and I'll keep going. I, I was at his house, and I, 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 we used to talk at his kitchen tables, like satsang, one to one satsang. We could talk about anything, and there's just presence, I, and my mind couldn't have a thought in that place. And uh, I had, I had this sudden notion that I had to go to into his backyard. It's like, Austin, I got to go to your backyard. I just, I just went. And I, I'll be back there, you know, really drawn to the backyard. I walked up. There's this lovely walking path that was one of those things that's a former railroad track where it's kind of mm. raised up. And so I walked up that, and it, and it was a lovely leafy walkway now without the railroad tracks, uh, you know, dappled sunlight. And I'm walking on this for, must have been just a few seconds. And all of a sudden, I, I feel like I almost pooped my pants. 
uh, like, yeah, there was, there was poop going down the chute <laughs> right. and somehow, and it was weird. Like that yeah. had never happened in my life before since. Right. And I, and I squeezed and clenched like, somehow and just in the nick of time, it's like, ah, you know, like, ah, this is not, you can't have this happen. Yeah. And, and then I, I realized that my body was, was in a state of like fight or flight. It's like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is going on with my body? Why? I, Cause there was no, there was no stressor at all. Then I'm, I, I look in front of me because I was just kind of looking around, you know, looking mm-hmm. at the trees. And then there's this thing about 50 feet away, maybe 60. Uh, it's hard to, hard to say. Um, and, and it started on me. That's what the, that there's a connection between that thing that I'm seeing and what, whatever is going on here. And it's a big animal and and it's big. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that ain't no dog. And, and I'm like, is that a wolf? like a big black wolf and like it's not no and so my mind's going through a rolodex of what this thing could be mm-hmm. and i was like it's moving like a cat with that whole shoulder front shoulder walk thing that just like it's a big cat you know it's like it's a, it's a panther it's a jaguar and, and i'm like there's no panthers in wisconsin and <laughs> and the, plus it had this it had this weirdness around it, it had um like in the film Predator, like on a hot day when you see oh, the sort of the heat, heat lines. lines. Yeah. There were heat lines all around it, like like two feet out around this thing. And and I'm saying, okay, it's a weird fuck, it's a weird jaguar. And and my mind is then deciding, like, uh, can I fight this thing? Am I gonna need to fight this thing or or do I need to run? Then I, I, before coming to the conclusion, I find myself running. So I turned around and then I'm thinking like, oh no, the Discovery Channel told me never run from big cats. It it stimulates their chase instinct. It's like, and then I was sure I was going to be, I was going to have a searing pain of a claw or teeth going into my neck any any time now. Of course, it didn't happen. I, I get I I get to almost to Austin's door. I'm so glad that I practiced as a teen boy running at doors, opening doors, and jumping in in a seamless fashion as possible. Um, did that push the doors, the door behind me with my feet like I'm in Jurassic Park wow. or something, getting away from a raptor, lock the door. I'm on the ground panting. Already on the ground is Austin. He'd fallen off his chair. He's laughing. Uh, and, and I'm saying, and I'm looking around still, making sure the door's going to hold because I think a hulking beast is after me. Mm-hmm. And, and he's laughing. He said, like, oh, don't worry. You just, you only met the jag, you met the jaguar. It's, it's an etheric jaguar and it likes you. I say, what? <laughs> so they, oh God. And, and, and he said, like, you know, it's actually quite not, it had a name and I've forgotten the name. He said, yeah, that, that jaguar was assigned to me uh, as, as the protector of this property so I could do my work. Oh. And, and he said that the jaguar, that, that the jaguar, first of all, kind of called you out there and then introduced itself to you, mm-hmm. showed you. Uh, is is it's saying that you're in the pride or you're in the family oh. and and its protection is extended to you because i'm basically like the sorcerer's apprentice here right. uh, you know more or less yeah. uh and and that right there because it's very i mean i was skeptical as well of all these experiences but that at least told me that either he was reading my mind mm. again like he'd had many times before uh, he had implanted the entire scenario into my mind like some wizard, or there was a really fucking etheric jaguar, and and, and I, I went with door number three because that's right. with all the other experiences the most likely out of out of the group. Yeah, that that was that was Austin. That was that, that was life life at Austin's. Um, that's amazing. Heads going open, Hebrew coming down into my 
Skull, even though he's in this sort of, uh, he's sort of in this quasi Native American tradition, or he's in a Native American tradition, but as, uh, as you know, in the body of a former town asshole. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, he gave me the book, The Keys of Enoch. Um, mm. He was very careful with his books. He kept them so well. And I, and I wouldn't even like borrow some because like Austin, I'm going to have an accident with that one. So I'm going to pass. I can take care of this one and not get a scratch on it. And said, okay, good that you know yourself. You know, it's like, it's like yes. Uh, I, I picked up the keys of Enoch, that his copy. I've never felt this from that. And I'm sorry, my hands were uh, had pleasant electrical shocks going going through them, and and all every thing was open. So I, I was spoiled. I, I think yeah. I was I was definitely spoiled by some of these mentors who were in my town: Pam, Austin, Walter, Matthew Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Years later, I, I I had two spiritual teachers who were in Oregon. I I kind of think two really. You know, I only asked one to be an official teacher. There was a package deal. Uh, at the time, a husband and wife. They might not think very highly of how I teach the meditation these days. I'm a bit of a renegade, mm-hmm. so you know, like, and I don't associate with their organization because I don't think it's well run. Mm-hmm. And but I love them immensely. They had a had a huge effect on me. One of them was named Kalima. One was named Mahadeva. Uh, one thing that I didn't see at the time was Kalima had a prelude uh, to her as well, um, which is strange. I was uh, when I was about fifteen. I used to walk at night. Uh, this is before I learned any meditation, mind you. But I was really depressed and sad, and and in, and in grief, not having a mother, and it felt like I was a bit of an orphan. Because I didn't feel my father, uh, you know, was able to be there because he was going through his own grief. Mm-hmm. So I liked the freedom of being able to walk around at midnight in my hometown. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I was really hoping for some care. Yeah. And so I went out to the corner across my house and I, it just came to me, speak to the sky right now because the stars were vast. It was beautiful. And I asked and, and it just came out of my heart without me thinking. It's like please, could you give me a mother? You know, because whoever's listening, you can tell I'm not really doing that well on my own here. Yeah. You know, this is, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess. And to my extreme surprise, immediately after saying that, I felt somebody speaking to my ears, simultaneously, someone speaking to my ear, you know, when the feel, you can feel a body over there without yeah. looking. Yeah, it yeah. felt like that. And then there was also a voice up in the sky at the same time. It was coming from both places, which was strange. Right. And and the, the at first the voice said, you know, I'll be your mother. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was by the cemetery. So I'm like, okay, you know, it, but Hold it did on. not feel like a discarnate being <laughs> right. at all. It was very different presence than any I'd, I'd ever felt. Yeah. And I said like, okay, yeah, I'm um, not going to sign any papers yet. But, who, you know, like, I didn't say that, but that's what I was thinking. Like, who are you? <laughs> And and they they introduce themselves as the um uh, the dark goddess of destruction. And she said, "I'm the dark goddess of destruction. I've always been your mother, and I'll I'll be I'll take care of you uh, in this life." I said, "Okay, sounds pretty." And and actually hearing those words, it made complete sense in my mind. Yeah, it was not at all off putting. It was like, "Oh yeah, of course, my mother would be the dark goddess of destruction." It makes perfect sense. And and then it, and then the pres- you know, then there was no more presence there and. Uh, a few times I would go over the years to that same spot, look up at the sky and, you know, kind of like it was a phone booth or something. Right. Like that. 
and and nothing crickets crickets for you so you know i just kind of file that away as like a one-off right mm -hmm. uh, and, and then i end up at this um ishaya's uh ascension sort of ashram or monastery on the oregon coast and i didn't really know sanskrit names or what they meant right uh and and one of the, the main teacher when i arrived was named kalima and it took a while for me to learn what that meant Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and then it took a while longer for me to actually remember that incident from from the street corner when I was like oh oh I see you know I I was you know cosmic Kali sent you mm -hmm. know arranged to have one of me cross paths with a physical sort of finger of her right one of the one of the many so that was there were a lot of stitches like that which sort of tied together Mm -hmm. in, in a very short time and and uh ma manifested in, in the experiences at that uh ashram uh, yeah including dreaming up my job that i had there year beforehand which was mm -hmm. also strange right uh, so yeah yeah, yeah. H high magic high magic that's right high magic yeah um i know that was something we wanted to touch on with the astrology piece because you're an astrologer um, did you want to talk about sort of your astrology practice and then sort of magic or high magic? Because I see them kind of very related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're very related. I I, I sometimes you know, some people have suggested I use a different title than astrologer. Not saying that I'm a bad astrologer, but they're saying that I'm I'm kind of uh, they they wanted me to use the word oracle. Mm -hmm. somebody i have a very high opinion of like i haven't done that because it sounded kind of hoity-toity for me you know to, to, use, to use a word like that you know i was like i don't know if i should i don't want to you know water down that term you know mm -hmm. by, by using it but um astrology came me doing astrology was not something i was ever planning to do uh remotely uh uh, this was one of the many things where my, my wife knew what I was going to do well before I did it. And I was even like, yeah, it's not going to happen. You know, that, that's, that, that's, that it does. Right. right? Yeah. This is, this is the pattern. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I'd had exposure as a, as a child, but I was like, oh, okay. If Even if it's real and it's not confirmation bias or a number of other logical fallacies are, could explain that, even if it's real, like when I, by the time I got to the uh, monastic phase, I was like, it's kind of superficial and shallow. People should just find the ultimate reality with a capital R. I mean, that's my, that's my instinct. That we, you know, like, you know, rip that bandage off. Don't, you know, right. don't, don't, don't play around with these, these things. You know, I don't, it doesn't, it, it does knowing about your past lives, uh, you know, help you out of suffering, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the, a, a number of songs, you know, I wasn't going to do that, um, but, but then uh, then we were in Vancouver, BC, and it was uh, we walked by a storefront, and there was this man who was uh, giving uh, astrological and tarot readings. Turned out he'd been a Zen meditator for forty years, very serious Zen meditator, studied wow. at the Rochester Zen Center with Roshi Philip Kaplow, you know, very high grade practice and teaching. And yet here he is, as in his own words, saying, uh, uh, masquerading as a fortune teller. Or moonlighting as a fortune teller. I was like, I love a man with these kinds of contradictions. We got to support this guy. <laughs> you know, we became fast friends with a man, man um, up in Vancouver by the name of Rob Inglis, really lovely uh, tarot reader and, and astrologer. So I ended up taking a class from him, an astrology class. And as soon as I'm getting into the materials and, and the syllabus, I'm, I'm eating it up. 
and and it's going into me like it's water I've been trying to drink for a long time and, and I've been without it's just goes right in and it's like yeah we, we got to do this I, I had uh, earlier in my life my, my mother was a great therapist I think uh, in the last few years of her life she went and got a master's and did the practicum and I think she just had a real knack for it mm-hmm. those books were in the house Jung, Jungian stuff um, Hillman stuff Freud um, and and I always had a you know a sense I, I could I would like to do work like that and, mm-hmm. and more in the Jungian sense connect people to their song connect people to their their center i found in astrology that work yeah it, it, it became very i didn't know that Jung was so into astrology when i was doing the thing because i hadn't really studied in depth i didn't know those connections right. at the time I put that later on as i'm reading more books i'm like oh of course jesus it, you know I'm, I'm dealing this is an archetypal language yeah and 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 so i that would became a passion and uh and i found that it wasn't um i don't think it was as counter to as facilitating as a, awakening as I thought or as frivolous or uh, tertiary mm-hmm. I mean sometimes I do and I like to keep it real with my astrologers and, and my and clients and say like hey we're talking about your costume here and and it's and it's and and so my my um, middle ground is I think that you know I'll, I'll, I'll inject a little Alan Watts here and and especially his late stage Taoist Alan Watts and his wonderful last book Tao the Watercourse Way He'll be talking about the difference between Judeo-Christianity and, and Taoism. And he'll, he uses an analogy that, okay, in Judeo-Christianity, the, the root of the system is an assumption that there's something wrong with our nature that has to be remediated. You know, and, and you know, that's, that's, I think it's a little simplistic for him to do that, but, you know, I'll expect the analogy. It's, it's a bit simplistic, but he's saying like we're having to remediate original sin. And and in Taoism, again, this is simplistic because there's a lot of shit Taoism. I'd have to say right. too, but <laughs> but if, you know, I'll let Alan have his due. You know, uh, in in Taoism, the the basic assumption is that our eternal nature, that our, our prime nature is whole, and that we 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 run in, we encounter our problems when we deviate from the wholeness that's already there. Mm. And that's my approach to astrology: is as I'm looking at people as already whole, and and I I tend to find that when we allow ourselves to go with our groove we when we like a piece of wood has a grain when yeah. we allow ourselves to be that twisted tree that a Taoist will will speak about we tend to not only actualize using maslow's definition we tend to not only actualize more quickly but actualizing more quickly i think to a certain degree leads to to realization freedom you know ultimate freedom from suffering more easily so yeah. that that's the that that's my approach is i i, I see people as musical and and basically when i'm doing sessions i feel as if i am in many different ways using many different uh, metaphors or um, approaches getting out of the way and playing their song back to them you know and and Mm -hmm. and then you know having whatever happens so that that's my approach with astrology it's just what a, a wonderful system that reflects reflects people's innate music Mm-hmm. and that's beautiful i yeah. like that explanation and i also because something bugged me a lot about um because you explain sort of the Taoist view and then the christian view of of that and in the christian view it comes from a place of kind of negativity right like there's something wrong with you and you got to fix it um yeah. and a lot of the i have a lot of problems <laughs> with the um people that talk about like uh, life after life or like the intermediary like the supposed intermediary mm. intermediary 
point of where you right. meet your council of nine and then you go through yeah. this process. And I'm like, that bugs me. <laughs> like, because it's essentially like, yeah, you put yourself into this lifetime to fix you because there's something wrong with mm. you and you have, mm. yeah, there's something about that that always bugged me. But the way you explain the Taoist view, I'm like, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And, and I can <laughs> reconcile those. It's, I think of it as yeah. a play. And yeah. if we need to have the, if we will set up our, you know, our, our sort of, we'll, we'll have our council and we'll be using that language yeah. if, if it, if it serves us and we'll, we'll adopt sort of this, um, like if you, if I was big into the Edgar Casey readings when oh, I was a yeah. teenager as well. Yeah. And, and the way he, it's very linear and very stepwise. It's like, and in this incarnation, this incarnation they gained and lost here and there. And, but then it got fun. It's like, and then between incarnations, they hung out in Jupiter. Mm, mm-hmm. They spent, they spent time in Jupiter learning this, they were in Venus learning this uh etc then they they come into this incarnation okay fine Edgar. you know they were okay. <laughs> it was the 30s and 20s and 40s i think americans needed to hear it in sort of a linear okay. um, kind of kind of way and 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 yeah yeah watts is wrong in a sense i think i don't think i wouldn't call his view of christianity exactly a straw man just because that kind of christianity has been propagated quite a bit but you know i would say that the mystics in the tradition as in all traditions, tend to be coming from a place of wholeness mm. and, and, and tend to be experiencing that wholeness. So there are, obviously, there are, there are strands of Judeo-Christianity uh, that, that are, you know, very, very much coming from that, that, that Taoist angle. And there are strands of later Taoism, especially when they're getting into uh, fix, that where they're getting into fixing people as well. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And how do you, um, cause we talked a little, you mentioned high magic. Um, I think that's what your term was. Um, yeah. but it, and I've kind of dabbled in sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, Western ceremonial magic, which is like, mm. uh, high, what is it like high theurgic magic? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. Good. that's the right term, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, how do you define high magic and, or just magic in general? <laughs> probably probably loosely uh, i shouldn't define it. alistair crowley will show up and, and just slap me his... <laughs> yeah <laughs> something like that yeah. no he wouldn't he's like good job rebel you know yeah that's probably, true. probably um <laughs> change the change that definition as much as you like um magic to me uh, at least in my life experience uh first there was always that kind of um not out of like a uh, fear place but out of a respect and caring place where i'd always almost have the caveat if it's in the higher will because mm-hmm. there was always an instinctively in me kind of a a sense that you know i don't really need to be so selfishly rearranging the deck chairs for my limited purposes There's always a sense that what i was trying to do was actually go if i went deep enough i could connect to a part of me that was already omniscient and deathless and and knew, knew knew what was knew what time it was knew what was up and knew what was down to me for my for me the basis of most of my magical experience higher you know profound or powerful magical experiences have have been times where i fall deeply into that place mm-hmm. and i'm sitting as deep as i can go and so like uh, a lot of manifestation has happened in my life but again like the most interesting manifestations the most improbable ones that you can't really rationalize a way to uh, you know, away with to coincidence have been times where it it did not feel like there was an individual self mm. that was the individual self was there, but it had merged so deeply into that non-local, deathless, eternal, everywhere at once flavor of self 
that the desire that was coming through to be manifested could not be owned by a little person, you know, camped out a couple inches behind the forehead. That desire was coming from a ball, you know, mm. coming from, and, it was, and when, sometimes I would speak the desires out. And it was not like it was traveling from here to there. It was traveling from, you know, kind of yeah, uh, coming out. And so in that sense, it always felt like more of a just surfing to me, like getting so out of the way that I allowed the, the, the genuine desires of the individual self to be fulfilled, uh, you know, a- along the way for the ride at other times. And and then sometimes I could put the decibel out. I have no problem with uh, sort of Westerners being, you know, kind of like the individual or, mm. or you know, or whatever. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not kind of a dour um, uh, Protestants that um, Crowley was rejecting. Uh, for instance, so there's been times also when I've just been in very normal life and I was short on money and right. I would do almost naughtily do a mantra that shouldn't work when I have a mantra, but a, manifestation that shouldn't work because you're for whatever reason i would say like ishtar needs some cash you know <laughs> but i would do it from depth you know and it yeah. was true and 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 i would i would only use that say that when i like i could feel a certain way i could feel sort of the electricity and then i would get an immediate phone call after ishtar needs some cash and so i've got a big job for you <laughs> wow you know and it's like i'll take it you know and right. and, and, and this would and and, and then sometimes be like Oh, remember when you loaned me that money? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm going to get it to you back. Oh, thank you. You know, and so th- those things would kind of um, happen mm-hmm. uh, with some regularity. Uh, so there, there was always this kind of sense of of presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always always going into presence with with the kind of magic. It, it, it's almost I could use the word miracles, and I could almost crib into the chorus of miracles the way they're. Uh, talking about it a little bit it's, it's an intervention well an intervention from what the higher comes into lower you dispense with all those things it, it's yoga it's it's the individuals in yoga the yoga is the union of the atman the individualized mm-hmm. soul with with brahman ultimately the the everything and and so you know that that is the when those things are in deep harmony that is the area where we can transcend um so-called uh laws where, where <laughs> weird really weird stuff can happen you know and, and things get all fungible Yes. And, and, and so, yeah, that, that's the miracle for me. That's the magic zone. There's other, many other different sorts of magics, but that's the one I've been most uh, drawn to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Again, a great explanation. I like you're talking about like words and vocalization. And that's something that in my recent sort of practice has become very uh, prominent is there's a lot mm. of power in words. Um, I know that's yes. like kind of thrown around, but it's like when you experience it and then you're like, yeah, there's power in speaking. There, yeah. <laughs> one of my one of my experiments with that, because that's always been a this has been a motor of my life, the throat mm. chakra. Mm-hmm. And I'm always one of the more open ones in life. And I've leaned on it, maybe sometimes more heavily than I ought to in life <laughs> to get through. But you know, I, <laughs> but um one one thing the experiment that I did as a teenager, because mm. at a certain point I think I was I was telling too many fibs oh. as a young teenager, and I was like, Oh my god, oh I, oh I gotta fucking remember that story. You know, I was like, this is not good. You know, this right. is not gonna, you know, felt like, oh God, I gotta stop this. And and then and then it just kind of came into me like, well, you should just, you know, tell the truth all the time. I was like, oh really? Okay, well, let's do that. And and um and if I wa- really wanted to clear out and, and get weird, I noticed when I would do these radical honesty practices, 
the synchronicities would follow like like rain from thunderclouds. Wow. I, I, so I saw there was a relationship with how honest I was, like clean as if I was clean as a whistle, mm-hmm. weird shit would, would happen. Uh, and, uh, by weird shit, I mean, it's like I would be like at school and I would want something. I had wanted something. I was just you know, someone would turn the corner and offer it to me without me asking them for it. Or, uh, you, you know, or someone would, would speak a kind word to me that had mm. never done so. And I'd always wanted one from them. And they would just go out of their way and say, you know what? I've always actually really liked you, but I've never told you. And I remember that, that, that happening. And it was just like a bizarre high school film. Yeah. And, 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 and that was, there was a one-to-one correlation between how honest I could be. Later, I'm reading yoga texts. And this is, this is of course, um, something that's spoken on. Now, I'm not going to conflate satya truthfulness with honesty. There's a little bit of a, they're in different octaves, right? Sure. But I, I will say that if you're radically honest, it's taking you pretty, it's getting into that territory where you're, you're, t- you're touching tr- satya truthfulness, hmm. uh, at, le- at least in, in my case. And, and they speak of, you know, if, if a yogi is, is deeply immersed in silence, you know, and it, it helps to not have a bunch of bullshit yeah. <laughs> happening in here. Like right. you can't be juggling stories. You know, no. <laughs> you, you can't be juggling your bullshit. It's very difficult to, <laughs> to maintain silence when you're doing all that juggling. I, I would know. Right. Um, <laughs> but but so you let, drop the juggling and you're just, just totally like you, you fall into silence. But in, in mm-hmm. yogi, the yogis, they have the power, the miracle power it comes out of the throat. Yeah. Um, comes out of Visuddha, uh, the, 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 the chakra of miracles. And so so there's an association between how, how deep in silence you can be, how truthful you are and, and 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 weird synchronicities, at least in, in the yogic tradition. Wow. So that that is born born true in my life. Oof. Wow. Again, another beautiful explanation of sort of the well, the power of the throat chakra and how it relates yeah. to uh honesty and then juggling lies as a teenager. So it was a good early <laughs> yeah I, I tell you like you have to be willing to like be a fool and feel a fool if yeah. you do if anybody who's listening if you do a radical honesty practice i mean sometimes there's within reason because you know you don't want to get shot right you know, right you're gonna be like, practical especially in the united states yeah british listeners i guess you don't want to get stabbed you know you, you have different weapons differences over there. yeah differences yeah <laughs> uh, there might be those considerations but i, I will say beyond those if you start going on being honest, you will start to uncover lies you didn't know you were telling yourself. And when those come up, that that can be very embarrassing. Even yeah. if nobody can see you feeling that, it's embarrassing right. without an audience, much yeah. less an audience. So, but if you're willing to, if you're willing to allow yourself to be a humble fool and, and kind of and kind of be like, oh fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, that that is the way I felt about things for 30 years. And that is detestable or 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 whatever. If you have if you're willing to go through that. My God, once you let, once you get that bilge out of there, mm-hmm. there is so much honey behind it. Right. That's that's and you, so you have to persevere. If you're listening to this, you really have to persevere, and 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 be willing. And then then these 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 synchronicities can happen because sometimes people ask me like, "Fucking synchronicities, you know, in my life." <laughs> and I'll say, well, you know, there could be many explanations, but often the explanation is uh, insufficient um, perseverance. Mm. Uh, there's just that this is often got to be every, every practice has its own version of hours of horse dance. Uh, right. You, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sad hernian. So of course I'm going to say that. Yeah. So I could be, I could be wrong, but, but almost every tradition horse dance and the, the horse mm-hmm. dance here, if it read and being honest and truthful is, is simply 
you know, going going through what the, the boring days when you just kind of want to vomit or Ugh, wow. having a bunch of boring, what you consider boring or thoughty meditations, even if you have a very good practice. Yeah, you're yeah. Have meditations where, yeah, it, it's, oh my God, the neurotic's back. Oh no. <laughs> right. I thought I, I thought I was had more progress. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> deeper and deeper with the meditation. Um, well, thank you. Um, we're kind of wrapping it up here and to kind of tie into sort of what you're talking about with throat and radical honesty. Um, what is a mantra or words of wisdom that you would like to leave with the audience today? Probably words of wisdom <laughs> or something. <laughs> I really was thinking about this. <laughs> Probably that you've always been enough. That's beautiful. I think a lot of people need to hear that and tell themselves that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, thank you. Ooh, yeah, that kind of hit my heart. Thank you. That was good. Uh, so where can folks find out more about you and how they can work with you? Well, I've got a couple websites and, and a nascent uh youtube channel and the the websites the the meditation website is www.ascension dash the one in the middle meditation.com so ascension dash meditation.com and the astrological website is another tall drink of water that is www.awakened with an ed light astrology.com so awakenedlightastrology.com. And my YouTube channel, I think the, the address to it is something like uh, youtube.com slash Ishtar Ishaya. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's one of the addresses for it. So Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And um, also your wonderful Instagram, because you post really cool pictures of all your travels. Oh, and I love following it. And yeah. <laughs> That's right. Facebook and Instagram wide, wide open. And, and my, yeah. my Instagram is, uh, I wasn't trying to be hoity toity with, with the title. It's, it's awakened living because my, my, my wife and I at one point, we're going to do this sort of um, multi-subject magazine. This was like 10 years mm. ago. We wanted to do this uh, with spirituality, politics, um, permaculture, economics, it's a very ambitious, too ambitious Ooh. project. We're going to call it awakened living. So, you know, mm. it's going to be spirituality meets mother earth news meets uh something political uh anyways that ended up as my instagram uh, name so uh, awakened living or ishtar howell you can look up and that probably gets you there too and and, um uh, i'm I'm very active on facebook as well okay which you know i have some friends who say facebook is a sewer i said yes it is a sewer i enjoy it there (laughs) like Uh, the sewer sometimes yeah yeah, something like something. Yeah, so I like to joke and call them fake book and Insta sham. Uh, and and I, I don't necessarily post all spiritual content there because I'm mm-hmm. also I don't want to I, I don't want audience capture. So uh, you know, uh, if you if you've gone there, you're gonna get some spiritual content, you're gonna get mystical stuff and magical stuff. I mean, you're probably gonna get like me posting Queen songs. You know, Whoa. if you're going on Facebook, so you know, get get ready for some Freddie Mercury. Awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm excited now because uh, I, I always need Freddie Mercury in my life. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Oh <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Ishtar, um, for spending time with me and chatting. It's always great uh, uh, spending time with you in any capacity, and yeah, just thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
A big heartfelt thank you to our guest, Ishtar Howell. For more information about Ishtar and his meditation offerings, astrology readings, and where to find his social pages, please be sure to check out the show notes. Your support is invaluable to us. If you found this podcast enjoyable, take a moment to express your love by liking, commenting, and sharing it with those who might resonate with this content. Your engagement keeps the momentum alive, and we are truly grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you for being an essential part of the Casual Temple community. 